Okay, good morning, guys. Uh, it's, a, it's a full house today. It's good to see you guys. It's good to have uh, a bunch of our brothers and sisters from Duluth here. Uh, thank you to the Singles Ministry for hosting the pancake breakfast this morning. Uh, thank you to God for, uh, what, what is it, Daylight Savings, where we get an extra hour. I don't know about you guys, but I was really dumb, and I used that extra hour to watch some of The Matrix last night with Carter. I was like, I'm going to bed, I'm going to get an awesome night's sleep, and then Carter turns on The Matrix, and it's like, I have to watch this for a little while. It's so good. Um, so, as most of you guys know, uh, we're going through a series about knowing God this whole year, okay? And we've been going through the Old Testament, and... Uh, we're actually going to start today in the New Testament. Um, yeah, I know, right? How do we do that? But they're actually, you'll see, you'll see the reason why, okay? So we're, and it's going to be a little bit different because we're going to go through the theme of, we're going to go through a theme in the Old Testament, not just a particular text from the Old Testament, okay? So that theme that we're going to be talking about is knowing God as shepherd. Okay, so this is the part in the lesson where um, I, I confess a weakness, but really what I'm doing is I'm trying to brag and show off a strength. It's like that in a job interview, you know, like, what, what's your weakness as an employee? And you just totally say something that you just spin positively, right? So I have to confess my weakness as a shepherd because last night I was playing pickleball with uh, Jackson, Chase, and Connor. And, uh, you know, I, I just, every time I compete with these guys, I just shatter hopes and dreams. Yeah, it's just not, just not very shepherd-like of me, okay? Like, I have ended, like, see this row here? Like, all the NBA dreams that used to exist, I destroyed all of them. <laughs> and, and Grayson is still delusional. <laughs> Obviously, I'm kidding, but we had a good time playing pickleball. Um, it was a close game. So, and, uh, you know, I, I needed to brag about my athletic prowess there just because I really look up to Grayson. I'm just trying to be more like him. <laughs> so, uh, guys, what we're going to do, uh, we're going to read quite a bit of Scripture today because I want us to see this theme really come alive uh, in the Scriptures, okay? So, like I said, though, this idea where we become really familiar with it is from a particular passage in John uh, where Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd. So we're going we're gonna to read this in John chapter 10. Okay, so just follow along on the screen or in your Bible. It says, very, Jesus speaking here, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks, attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So we know, we know that Jesus is the good shepherd. We, we see it all throughout his life of how, so the characteristics of a shepherd, the, the main ones that we're going to be focusing on today is that shepherds are, they, they provide, they direct, and they, they also protect, okay? And, and they do so in this gentle, tender way. So Jesus right here, this, this is something I've been noticing about you. As we've been studying the Old Testament, and then I, and I do some reading in the New Testament as well, I've been just picking up on things where Jesus is talking, and it's like, or I'm, or I'm reading the Old Testament, and then I'm like, I can like see Jesus' words in it. I'm like, wait a second, Jesus said something a lot like that. Like, and so what I've been realizing is that Jesus, right, in John chapter 1, he's, he's known, he's kind of, him and God and the Word of God are so enmeshed that Jesus is referred to as the Word of God. And so Jesus, know, he's a Jew, he knows the Old Testament uh, so well that he, it's, it's how he speaks. He speaks the words of God. The, the Bible at the time of Jesus was the Old Testament. And so that, that's what Jesus is speaking when he's talking about being the Good Shepherd. He's actually referring to this theme that's all throughout the Hebrew Bible, the Jewish Bible. So it's not really this new revolutionary idea Knowing God as shepherd is just part of a fundamental understanding of who God is. If we know God as shepherd, we will experience security and safety in our relationship with God. If we don't know God as shepherd, our lives will ultimately be controlled by, by fear, and typically a, more of a quiet, unsuspecting fear. And I'll explain what I mean there. So we have this script, this teaching of Jesus in Matthew 25. And this is in the parable of, of the talents or the bags of gold, just per, depending on your translation. And uh, what happens is uh, the master gives three guys uh, different amounts of gold. And he's gonna, his plan is to come back later and see what they did with it. And the first two men, they, they take the gold and they're able to multiply it. And so what the master says to them, and the master obviously being God, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now you may enter into my joy. Oh man, I, I want to know what, what God's joy is like. What that would be like to enter into his joy. And then there's the last man, there's the third man. And in Matthew 25, 24 it says, Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here it is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So I was reading this, and it, it just hit me that this is probably the first time these words have ever come from this man's mouth. I am 
afraid. Because how, how often do we expect, so how often do we admit our fear so bluntly? I'm afraid. You know, I actually, uh, I, I struggle a lot with anxiety. I have clinical anxiety issues, okay? And, you know, and I actually just use the word anxiety because it's a little more palatable than I'm just afraid all the time. Um, but, you know, people don't come up to me and say, dude, why are you so afraid all the time? You know, because it's not, I don't know, it's not that obvious. Like, I don't know, maybe some of you it is, but it's not that obvious where people are just constantly like, what, why are you so afraid? What, what is going on? And so no, I guarantee you, no one came up to this man and was like, what? Why are you, why are you so afraid? No one, was, no one said that to him. But he says these words, and he says them once it's just a little too late. You know, it wasn't a fear that was obvious, right, to everyone around him. It and so if it wasn't that, then what must it have been? It was this, right, this underlying quiet insecurity. And in the, at the root of it was this misunderstanding of who the master was. He says, Master, I knew you were a hard man. And that's obviously not who the master really is. He's not a hard man. He's the shepherd. He is the tender of the flock. And he didn't realize it until it was too late, until he was too far gone. He's too far off the path. He took what God gave him, he buried it in the ground, and it amounted to nothing. Like I've mentioned, the, the characteristics of a shepherd are, are we're going to break these down a little bit. Provider, director, and protector. Um, so what we're going to do next here is I'm just going to read, like I think, three or four Old Testament passages. I'm just going to, put, I'm just going to read them. We're not... And we'll just we'll talk about them after. But I really want you to take advantage of this time where we're just going to read God's word and soak it in. Because, guys, whatever I say up here today, like, hopefully it brings you some refreshment, but you will get thirsty again. And the, this, what we're about to read, is the water where you will never thirst again. Isaiah 40, 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have, that have young. Psalm 23, the shepherd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now we're going to read from Ezekiel 34, verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. 
I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in the settlements of the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in a good grazing land. There they will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And then we're skipping to verse 31. It says, you are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Sovereign Lord. And one final passage. In Isaiah 53, verse 6. It says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each has gone his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Okay, guys. So I, just, I want to talk about this a little bit. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing just to read about God, the way he speaks about being a shepherd, the way, the, the words, tending the flock, giving them good, Israel was, was the promise, it was the land of milk and honey, it was extremely fertile, it was a great place to have sheep, um, there, and it was an amazing climate, everything, it was just perfectly set up, and God, and then when the sheep go astray and they scatter, God's like, I'm going to bring them all back to, to the good land, where they, where they can be safe and secure. So I really, today, I really want to focus more on the love of the shepherd than on the stupidity of the sheep, okay? We all know that sheep are stupid. Uh, and I don't know, anytime, because anytime, you've, if you've heard a lesson about shepherd or Psalm 23, like, that always gets brought up, that sheep are just so dumb, and here's why. Okay, well, I, I'm gonna, we'll talk about that a little bit, but I really want to focus on uh, the love of the shepherd, the reason we read that last passage there is because I do want to touch on the fact that the Bible teaches that we are like sheep, right? We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've chosen our own way. We've, we've departed from the shepherd at some point in one way or another. And humanity has proven itself to be without a shepherd, okay? Okay? Uh, we so and what I mean by that is, you know, in, in the Garden of Eden, when, when man and woman were given a, a choice, when they had the knowledge of good and evil, when they ate from the tree, what happened was is they gained that knowledge, but they did not have the tools to correctly manage and handle that knowledge. And so that is why we have sin and evil in the world today. And so here's, you know, so here's what it looks like to have a shepherd or with to, be, to not have a shepherd. We think that, in society, at least in, in Western society, murdering babies is okay. Um, right? There used to be kind of more stipulations, like, oh, you can't do it like a certain, certain time in the pregnancy, but now it's kind of just shifting to, oh, they're not really a person. There's just no, we're sheep without a shepherd in that regard. Like, where's the line, right? There's no shepherd there to guide us. It's okay, it's completely okay and acceptable to get hammered drunk. 
As long, but see, so here's where the world comes in and says, well, you just don't drive. Just don't drive. You know, but it's, it's okay. You can, you can do whatever you want. It's, it's totally okay. Socially acceptable. This is what, I actually was talking about this, with, I think it might have been Grace and somebody this week, about how often we've seen coworkers come into work, obviously not when we were working for the church, and, um, <laughs> and it's like they, they miss a shift because they're hungover, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. It's like, wait, what? Like, I got yelled at for being 10 minutes late because my car broke down, like, and they get a pass for a whole day because they are hungover? <laughs> like, it's socially acceptable. Um, you can watch as much pornography as you want. Just as long, oh, but let's just draw the line with your children. You can't watch child pornography. Then that's a crime. But everything else is okay. It's a sheep without a shepherd. And here's the thing about sheep. Talking about the stupidity of the sheep, this is, this is true. Sheep will literally eat all of the grass in an area. So they come to an area, a pasture, and they eat all the grass and they will not move from this patch of grass. They will eat all of it, and they will starve to death unless someone takes them and leads them to a new pasture. They will literally starve to death. And, you know, I honestly think it's not too much different from us. I think that's why the Bible is so accurate when it says we are all like sheep. Because we keep going to get fulfillment in the same area that keeps not giving us fulfillment. We keep trying, we keep trying, and, we, and, just like, and then pretty soon we starve our souls to death. You know, here's some of the things that we do. We kill. Literally, people get killed because in a search of fulfillment, people assault others. People steal. People lie. Okay, and this one maybe hits a little more close to home. People manipulate others. We manipulate others to get what we want. We spin things, right? We, we put a little spin on something to make ourselves look a little bit better. We're trying to get what we want. We're trying to get a good reputation, whatever it is that we're after. We do these things to, to be fed, to feed our souls, to get what we want. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work, but we keep trying. But it doesn't work. We're like sheep. And if, you know, if you're in that boat, this is what the Bible teaches, that we're like sheep. So if you're in that boat of, well, I don't think I'm a sheep, then you're just proving yourself to be dumber than all the other sheep. Because you don't know that you're a sheep. Um, so... On the, so we had the teen retreat. Uh, was that last weekend? Man, time is, has escaped me. Um, we were talking about, right, so the, the, the world has a lot of qualifications for what, what makes you a successful person. What, what gets you out of, uh, I guess, being a sheep? Like, when do you become, I don't know, what, whatever the next step above a sheep is. Like, all the sheep are, let's say, the... the the misfortune or the poor people or whatever, you know, how, the hierarchy of society. That's all I'm getting at. And so at the teen retreat, we, we had this lesson, just the men, we were talking about what does it mean to be a man? I said, and I asked them, what, so what, is, what does the world tell you? What does society tell you about what it means to be a man? And here's the, some of the things that 
the, the guys came up with, they said, well, you know, when you, when you make a lot of money, like, yeah, then you kind of, or when you have a family, okay, yeah, then, then you're, 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 you're not a kid anymore. If you have a family, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. You're not a kid anymore. Um, once you turn 18, you know, you're, you're an adult. You're a man. And here's the thing, though, about what the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 13, right? 1 Corinthians 13 is a passage of love. It's the passage about love, and it's, at, you know, almost every wedding. But actually what that passage is, what well, is talking about love, but the context of that love is talking about how Paul, the author, when he gave up childish ways and became a man, he learned to love self-sacrificially. And so it doesn't matter how much money or the family or the status or if you have not learned to love self-sacrificially, you're still a child. Like, so no matter, so when the world has this hierarchy, it's a bunch of children sometimes at the top, like looking down at everyone else, right? And, and, and that's a, just a misunderstanding of God the shepherd as the provider. Um, Christianity is the only religion where we love not to get something out of it. It's really, it really is. I'm actually studying world religions right now in grad school, and every, at least all the, the major religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Sikhism, Taoism, they're all merit-based, meaning you love others because it gets you salvation. But in Christianity, we love others because God first loved us. It's totally different. So I'm going to talk about these three things, provider, director, and protector. God is the shepherd God. A shepherd's job is to lead the sheep to food and water. So the, the, the sheep follow the shepherd wherever they go. And so, right, if the grass, if they're running out, the, the shepherd, they, all those sheep will die unless the shepherd leads them to somewhere else. And it's interesting you know, what a shepherd will do if struggling for water supply is a shepherd will dig a shallow well. Like, that's the shepherd's job. If there's no water for the sheep, okay, now the shepherd's got to figure out where to get water. So start digging. And that's, you know, when we, we think about the, the God relating to us in that way. If we can't find water, it's like, well... Let me dig you a hole, and maybe then we'll find some. You know, during the winter months, uh, a shepherd, uh, it's, it becomes, it's, in some parts of the world, it becomes very, very difficult to feed uh, sheep in the winter months. And what a shepherd will do is, is will cut down trees so that the, the felled trees will still have some vegetation on them, uh, and then the sheep are able to eat from that. Or if you have a small herd and you're in a very cold climate, the sheep actually all live in the house. And you take your family and you live on the upper floor and the sheep get the main floor. Isn't that crazy? So think about uh, a, shepherd's, a, shepherd, a shepherd's job is 24-7 around the clock because the shepherd right, has to make sure all of their needs are provided for. Shepherd also has to protect the flock because... Things much stronger than sheep, wolves, coyotes, they, they come after the sheep. And the shepherd's job is to keep them away. It, it never stops. Right? And at night is a lot of times when these predators hunt. 
So all day, all night, the shepherd is at work. You know, I bring this up because the shepherd really is the provider for us, whether we realize it or not. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? You know, I, for who or what makes you different from anyone else? I love this because we have this special snowflake thing going on in our society that drives me nuts. What, what makes you so, you know, of course we have individuality. Of course we have differences. But what, what makes you better? Like, let, no, let's, let's talk about that. What makes you better than somebody else? You know, so, and so here's some couple things that I think of, you know, that clearly God provides that so, that so often people take credit for. Intelligence. We have, each one of us has a brain and intelligence. And yes, we can dramatically increase our intelligence through study. But your DNA, your genetic code that God gave you is the limiting factor of your intelligence. Bottom line. So... For someone who's super smart and you know, to be like, oh, well, I'm just, I made my, I studied so hard and made myself this way. Nope. God gave you that. You, you used the gift God gave you, good for you, but it's, you didn't, you didn't do that. Intelligence is from God. Because that's one of the main things that people use to try to disprove God's existence. Use their own intelligence to try to like make an argument right, as to why he doesn't exist. Another thing is, is, is wealth. You know, where, where were you born? Who were your parents? Myself, you know, like, look, I'm just set up so much better than, like, a, a kid. So I got to go to school all day growing up. I got to be educated. You know, children born in Africa, in certain parts, Right? The whole time I'm at school, they're walking hours to get water for their family. Like, and, and it's, I'm better than them somehow? Or, you know what? That's, that's just a totally ridiculous mindset. God provides. So, so every blessing that you have in your life, every good thing that you have in your life, it was given to you. Trace, trace it back. It was given to you. You did not... Earn it, and do not boast as though you did. God, the shepherd, is the provider. He fells the trees. He leads us to pastures. He leads us to water. We simply follow. I love that, that God, God he, he'll, he'll go to great lengths to provide for us. He's went to such great lengths to, to provide for me and my life. Director, which I'll get to that in a second. Director, so what God does as the shepherd is he leads us to pasture, and then he leads us onto the next pasture. Another thing that God does as director, as the shepherd, is he leads the sheep back home. So during the day, the sheep, they, they go out to pasture, and they get spread out a little bit. And here's the thing about sheep, they actually do not have a locality instinct, meaning 
they don't know where home is. You know how like your cat or your dog, you let them out, and if they just go roam around, like they find their way back home? Sheep do not have what that, that, what's called a locality instinct. So if they basically lose sight of home, they are like, where am I? Just completely lost. So the shepherd, he brings them back. You know, one of the ways that the shepherd does this is when the sheep get really scattered, he actually has a, sl a slingshot, a sling and a stone, right? David was a shepherd, sling and a stone. And he'll sling the stone super far so that, that when the pebbles hit the ground, like if the sheep are standing by, they'll like notice, oh, oh, it's time, it's time to go back. Um, so that's one tool of the shepherd, and we, and we see it's just cool that, that David, you know, that, that's why he was good with a sling. So God, he, he, right, he, he, puts, he puts little pebbles and tries to get our attention. Oh, maybe I should go back home. Maybe I should go back to God. Right? And if that doesn't work, right, because that doesn't always work, let's be honest. We just ignore the pebbles or we don't see them. Then the shepherd goes and gets them himself. And you can, there's an amazing parable. Uh, it's the story of, of the lost sheep in Luke 15 and the lost son and the lost coin. This uh, picture of God, the shepherd, going. And then, right, he takes the sheep and he puts it on his shoulders and he carries it home. God carries us. He, he tries to get our attention. He leads us to pasture. God is our director. He guides us in our paths. Uh, the man establishes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, we have plans, but then the shepherd helps us, helps us with all those little details that we, we don't foresee, and we don't have the wisdom to. God as shepherd is protector, right? The shepherd's job is protect the sheep. Sheep are so vulnerable, they're so weak. Can we admit that? Can we admit that we're vulnerable and weak? Be, and here's the couple things that the really predators, right, wild beasts, and themselves. Sheep are, they're themselves the weakness because they're, they're just so ignorant that they can wander out and they don't have, they don't know how to get back home. So the shepherd kind of needs to protect them from themselves. So here, the shepherd sleeps with the sheep, right, the, at the gate. That's where the shepherd sleeps. Right, because if anything tries to come in, he's going to hear it. He's going to wake up. He's going to protect. Another thing that shepherds do is they bind up wounds. When when the sheep get injured, they get cut. They bind up wounds. It's actually in Psalm twenty three when it says, "You anoint my head with oil." What David is most likely referring to is one of the shepherd's main tools was olive oil, because that's what they used to bind up the wounds of the sheep. It's amazing God, God heals. He binds up our wounds. When we have hurt, we can take it to God. He binds up our wounds. He's a protector. Another way that God protects us is with discipline and with boundaries. You know, this is, this is incredible. I found this out that what a shepherd will do with a sheep that has continually gone astray right, it just kind of keeps wandering off, is that the shepherd will break every one of its legs and carry it 
until all of its legs heal. And then that, that sheep will never leave the shepherd's side ever again once he does that. Psalm 89.32 says, I will punish their sin with the rod, the shepherd's rod at that. Their iniquity with flogging, but I will not take my love for him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. When we, when we sin, when we, when we stray, when we go stray re- repeatedly, you know, we, we sometimes get all of our legs broken. And it sucks. But the steadfast love is not removed from us. That's the love of a shepherd. Not that a hard man would just break our legs and leave us. The shepherd puts us on his back until we are healed. Um, so... I just want to share with you guys a, a story of myself being humbled. Would you guys like to hear that? <laughs> um, where God kind of broke all my legs <laughs> and then carried me. Um, so when I was in college, and this is, I just want to show you guys the discipline of God, the, the boundaries that God puts, they're, they're, they're such a good thing. They're an amazing thing. They, they protect us. Um, so even as painful as they might be at times, uh, they serve such a great purpose. So when I was in college, I was obsessed with, with bodybuilding and weightlifting. And, I, and, so, and what I did is, is I also became a Christian at this time. And I kind of used like, it was a good, uh, it was a good cover. It, I used like a lot of spirit, spirituality to be a good cover for this obsession. Okay. And so, yeah, like as long as I, I, I went to great lengths, like, is so if I work out three hours per day, then, you know, then I can kind of like, no one can really say anything if I read my Bible for three hours a day, too. Like, oh, what are you going to say? <laughs> you know, like scheming, right? Like, how, how can I nurture this, uh, this, this idol that I have, this thing that I love? Uh, and I get, and at the time, just got got my security, my, my worth from. Um, and, and then so what happened was is my sh- I had a bad shoulder injury and it required surgery. I was like, okay. So then I started scheming. It's like, all right, I'm not going to have this, you know, my shoulder. It's like, oh, I'm just going to, I am just going to work these bad boys. Like twice, right now I don't have to work this, and so now I can work this twice as much. Just get yoked. Like that's where I'm going in my mind. And uh, and then, two weeks before surgery, I'm playing basketball, and I snapped my ankle. Like, that sucker snapped. It was bad. I hurt so bad. Ugh. Um, right? So then I'm like, I, I can't use my arm, my arm. I can't use my leg. And this also is at the same time where uh, I was having a lot of health issues, and I was... Uh, diagnosed with what's called Crohn's disease, and so I'm not going to get deep into that, but essentially what that means is I was in, my body was in full-fledged uh, attacking itself mode. So my immune system was going haywire and just attacking me, and it resulted in, I was just super sick and just internal bleeding like no other, and it was, it was just, it was bad. It was dark. It, it was painful. And so this, this is me. I got a sling, and I have a boot on my ankle, and I have a cane. And I'm just sick. 
And I was, I, and then, so this is, you know, this is me at the mall. I was at the mall. And this woman comes up to me and she goes, oh my God, what happened to you? I kid you not. <laughs> it was like, it's a long story. I mean, nothing happened. I just jacked this up, jacked that up. And, <laughs> you know, like I just looked bad. And so I was sick. And, you know, and I just remember, too, as part of my medication that I was taking, it, I had to go into the hospital every couple weeks, and it would take hours. And so I just sit at the hospital for hours. And I'm a 19 or 20, 19, 20-year-old 20 guy, young, healthy. And I just have to face the reality that, like, I'm sick. And so all that happened, right? And it was totally, it was totally God breaking my legs, carrying me. And healing me and binding up my wounds. So when we're going through those times, and it's difficult, obviously. But God is a shepherd. Right? He has, he's not a hard man. So even when it feels hard, uh, the shepherd will bind up our wounds. Uh, we're going to end in, in Micah chapter 5, and we're going to lead into communion with this. <clears throat> Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. This is an amazing passage because it is clearly a prophecy, a depiction of Jesus is going to come in the future. Bethlehem. Oh, that's funny. That's where Jesus was born. Ephrathah. What does that mean? Well, it means, in Hebrew, it means fruitfulness. And if you go to, if you, if you uh, look at the etymology, the root of the word, the, the noun form of this word actually means a wine press. And Bethlehem means house of bread. So you have... But you, house of bread, fruitful winepress, though you are small, out of you will come one who will be ruler over Israel. And we're going to drink the wine and, and eat the bread of Jesus in just a minute. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. You know, and, and right there at the end, in verse 4, it says, and then they will live securely. And that's really what knowing God as shepherd is all about, is the security that comes from it. So I just want to talk about a couple things. How, how, do, we, how do we live securely? Okay? How, how, do we, how do we live out? How do we accept God as our shepherd and, and, and let him play that role in our lives? one thing to, to, to not do 
Am I saying that right? One thing, if you have unconfessed sin, it's very hard to live securely. Right? And, and why haven't you confessed exactly? Is it because God is, you're going to have harsh consequences? Because God is hard? He's a hard man? Why haven't you confessed if God is your shepherd? You know, one other thing about living securely uh, is, is our conversion. You know, I, I'll just use, this is the, the evangelical world, so to speak. That's just the term for kind of Christendom as a whole, really, especially in America, is, uh, right, do you have this idea of, like, the sinner's prayer? And, you know, a couple things about the sinner's prayer, it's actually not in the Bible, if you like look, you know, the term sinner's prayer, it's not there. And, you know, I did the sinner's prayer like 10 times, I think, um, when I, when, as I was growing up. And, you know, I'd go to church and my parents would take me there. And then we'd go to a concert and they would invite people to say the sinner's prayer. Um, and, you know, I never, I never had security. That's why I kept redoing it. It's like a year later, it's like, gosh, I really blew it. Um, Go to this concert and try it again, I guess. Um, if your conversion's not biblical, if your conversion's not in the Bible, then it's not biblical. Okay, so I bring that up because we can, have, we can have actually have incredible security in our conversion if we do it along the lines of the Bible. And in the Bible, we see conversion... Is, it's, just, it's always three things. It's faith, it's repentance, and it's baptism. And it's all because of the grace of God. You, you, don't, you, don't, go, you don't earn heaven. Like, like, let's just do the math here. If you have faith, and you repent, and you get baptized, does that equal a hundred gajillion dollars? No. It's by God's grace you have been saved. You know, when I got baptized, to be honest, I don't remember doing a lot of work. I don't think I moved a muscle in my body. I was like, this idea that baptism is a work, that's not in the Bible either. Baptism being a work of salvation. It's not actually in the Bible, that, that whole idea. That that's, was made up after the Bible was written. So we go to God's word for security. You know, when we think about our relationship with God, right, it's, it's, it works so, so much like our relationship with the people around us. You know, if, if, if I, all right, so in my marriage, if my wife, uh, Ian's son, suddenly uh, just not, uh, being, maybe being dodgy, maybe like hiding things from me, maybe just, you know, I would develop insecurity about our relationship. I'd be like, what, what is going on? What are you up to? Right? She wouldn't tell me what she's up to. Like, oh, what are you doing later? Oh, none of your business. <laughs> oh, okay. That's interesting. You know, if we're, if we're hiding from God, or we're kind of gallivanting ourselves, giving our affections to everything besides God, well, yeah, we don't have security in our relationship with God. That makes insecurity in a relationship. And some of us, Guys, I just, I just, sometimes we can, we, we can be dodgy 
Does that make sense? Don't, don't leave what you're up to to speculation. Like, don't, just don't leave room for that. Just live without walls and with integrity, and, and, you don't have, and then you don't have to worry about people speculating about your life. What are you up to? You, no one needs to speculate because they know, because you've told them. If they ask, you tell them. You don't dodge them. In the end, the decisions that we, that we make come down to who we think God is, as we see in the parable of the bags of gold. If you think God is a hard man, a harsh man, you'll bury what God has given you in the ground, and it will reap no fruit. But knowing God as shepherd is part of a fundamental understanding of who God is. We will experience security and safety, a warm blanket in our relationship with God, a fireplace and a cup of coffee, <sighs> and if we don't know God as our shepherd, our lives will ultimately be controlled by quiet, unsuspecting fear that will we'll finally admit it when it's too late. 